my uh, my friends in central Illinois who were who were leaning toward Trump and this $750 made a difference to make them think again. The first time anything has had, and I don't know if this is going to have a wide-ranging impact, but it was sort of interesting in this case. Well, thank you all very much for your comments this morning. Great to hear. Uh, great to hear your thoughts. You heard there, uh, Mark Michelson, who's chairman of the Asia CEO Forum at IMA Asia. Also, David Roche, who's president and global strategist at Independent Strategy, and Barry Wood, our international economics correspondent, over in Washington D.C. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio Three. And let's have a final look at the markets for this morning. Over in Australia, the SX200 off 1.5% now. The Nikkei 225 in Japan down 0.4%. Looks like the Hang Seng, though, is going to buck the trend and rise about two-thirds of 1% when when trading gets going later on this morning. Well, thank you very much for listening this morning and also uh, for the whole of the week. Back, uh, Money Talk will return on on Monday morning after the uh, the national uh, the national day holidays. Uh, but I'll be here tomorrow and Friday from six to ten in the morning for two special shows of music, chat, and guests. So please do join me right here on Radio Three if you can. Have a great long weekend. Back chats coming up with Hugh Chiverton and Nixie Lamb after the news. Let me give you an update on the holiday weather. Sunny intervals in the morning, few showers, and those showers will gradually increase. There are going to be isolated thunderstorms. Temperature, maximum temperature about 31 degrees. The outlook, windy with occasional showers tomorrow, and then showers easing off with sunny periods in the following couple of days. It's 27 degrees right now, and it's 90% relative humidity. Just gone 8.31, here's Samantha Butler with the half-hour news. The Republican President Donald Trump and his Democratic Party challenger Joe Biden are preparing for the first of three televised debates ahead of the polls in November. The primetime event in Cleveland, Ohio, will be watched by millions. The BBC's Laura Trevelyan says each candidate's approach will differ. Remember that for President Trump, this is his chance to reset the race. The polling suggests that Joe Biden has a stable lead of about eight points nationally. So this is a moment when perhaps as many as 100 million Americans could be tuning in to watch. It's their first chance to compare the two candidates live side by side. So President Trump could really disrupt the dynamic, and that's what his aides are hoping that he will do. Whereas for Joe Biden, the bar's been set pretty low for him by President Trump, who's running these ads suggesting that uh, Joe Biden's mental acuity is in question and that he's old and fumbling. So really, he needs to do no harm tonight. The 15 members of the United Nations Security Council have called for an immediate end to clashes between Armenia and Azerbaijan in the disputed territory of Nagorno-Karabakh. In a joint statement issued after emergency talks, the states also called for a de-escalation of tensions and a return to meaningful negotiations without delay. The Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has accused Hezbollah of maintaining a weapons depot in a Beirut neighbourhood, prompting an angry denial from the group's leader Hassan Nasrallah. In an address to the UN General Assembly, Mr Netanyahu said the alleged depot in Jannah was near gas canisters and could cause another major explosion in the Lebanese capital. I say to the people of Jannah, you've got to act now. You've got to protest this. Because if this thing explodes... It's another tragedy. I say to the people of Lebanon, Israel means you no harm, but Iran does. Iran and Hezbollah have deliberately put you and your families in grave danger. You should tell them, tear these depots down. Mr. Nasrallah said the Israeli prime minister was lying and trying to turn Lebanese people against Hezbollah.
A report on the state of the world's plants from Britain's Royal Botanic Gardens is warning that two-fifths are threatened with extinction. Here's the BBC's Helen Briggs. Q's State of the World's Plants and Fungi report shows an estimated 140,000 plants are facing extinction, including hundreds used for medicine. It warns that people are failing to harness the many benefits plants can bring by relying on just a handful of species to provide crops and biofuels. The scientists say there's a race against time to find and name new species before they vanish. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Backchat. I'm Hugh Chivers and your co-host today is Nixie Lamb. Nixie, good morning to you. Today we're talking about the pandemic's future in the Legislative Council and a new cycling track right across the new territories. A majority of the pan-democratic lawmakers in LegCo have made it clear they will stay in LegCo for the coming year, following the announcement of poll results that they said would determine their fate. The Democratic Party surveyed some 2,500 people last week. The results showed 47.1% of supporters said they should serve for another year, just 1.3% more than those who oppose. Two lawmakers belonging to the opposition camp, though, Ray Chan and Chu Hoi Dick, had announced on Monday that they would end their role as lawmakers on Wednesday when the term of the current LegCo ends. Tanya Chan also said she would not stay on after September the 30th, citing personal reasons for doing that. Well, what do you make of the decision? Do you agree or disagree? Was it the right way to decide? And how should the Democrats act in the this extended, extraordinary Legislative Council. Let us know your thoughts. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, of course, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. Uh, you can email us, and we'll do our best to read out your comments. That's backchat at rthk.hk. Or you can give us a call, and our telephone number is 233-88266, 233-88266. And then uh, after 9.15, we're going to be talking about uh, uh, an 11-kilometre cycling track, which is uh, connecting up Yunlong and and uh, finishing off a 60-kilometre uh, route which goes right across the uh, new territories. Uh, if you want to comment uh, on that, we're going to be talking, talking to Martin Turner from the Hong Kong Cycling Alliance on that. Uh, as ever, backchat at rthk.hk is the, is the place to do it. Uh, Nixie Lam, I think when you were a district councillor in yeah. Chunwan, <laughs> you were involved in that? You had some... Yeah, I was in charge uh, along the promenade, that, that cycling track. I think the main issue for that is actually quite tricky because uh, about the land land rights and everything so it took ages for people to give their views and and pass the things and sometimes the district council are gonna discuss on whether the trees needs to be chopped down and thing alongside so it's, it's taking forever Okay, well, we look forward to uh, to uh, mulling that over. Bankchat at rthk.hk, the email address. Uh, just a couple of uh, emails before we get to our first topic today. We're going to be talking, first of all, to uh, Emily Lau, uh, former uh, lawmaker on, on that. Uh, first of all, uh, here's a nice cheering email. This is from Ray P., who says, Hello, I listen to your programme every day, and I listen to other RTHK programmes throughout the day. Specifically, I listen to every Backchat episode. I live in the Midwest of the United States. To get the news of what's happening in Southeast Asia, particularly Hong Kong, there is literally no other station like what RTHK does. Your interview current issues are extremely well balanced. I don't know who these snowflakes are who feel they need to put pressure on RTHK at this critical juncture. It's a challenging time, and we in the West are counting on stations like RTHK, 
in Hong Kong. You guys are back chat, are excellent journalists, the best in your fields as far as I'm concerned. Thanks, RTHK. I do appreciate the service you're providing. Uh, and that comes from uh, Ray P. Thank you very much indeed for that. Joining us uh, first to talk about the uh, pandems, we're joined now by uh, Emily Lau, uh, former head of the Democratic Party, former legislative councillor, uh, of course. Ms Lau, good morning to you. Thank you much indeed for, for joining us. First of all, what, this, this whole approach, this whole thing of, of having a public opinion poll, what do you make of that as a way to decide what you're going to do in LegCo? Well, I guess uh, that would satisfy uh, some people's demand to say the public should have a say. And some, of course, actually ask for actually voting, you know, uh, some kind of civil referendum which, of course, cannot be conducted in such a short time. Uh, but, of course, there are others who have told me that they are quite upset with it because they think uh, the politicians should have the courage to take their decision and, of course, face the consequences, which, of course, mainly would be at the next election, whenever it's going to be held at all. So, uh, so there are different views. And, of course, I respect that. But there are some who say they are a pro-democracy. But then they lash at, out at us in very, very vicious and very malicious way. And so I told some of my friends who, who said that to me, and I said, those are not my allies. Because those who support us, who uh, oppose it, I, I accept. But those people who use such malicious tactics and language uh, to attack us like there is no tomorrow, I don't think uh, they are really in our camp. And I, I accept the society is very split. And at the next election, that is the time when the people will decide. And if they think these people made the wrong choice, uh, they will pay. <laughs> they will pay very dearly. And finally, I've been talking to friends in the international community. I met with the uh, Consul General of Germany uh, yesterday, and we'll meet with people from the British Consulate uh, next week. And from all the views I've heard, I have not heard any people, anyone, uh, you know, saying, oh, go, 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 don't stay. In fact, all the voices I've heard are, of course you must stay. We want to find out when the decision will be taken. Hmm. So I, I, th I see banners around town, right? I think earlier it says since the uh, 25th, which is about a week before this result. Um, I think from the uh, Democratic parties as well to say that they're going to stay right before the decision should be made. So how should we read that? Sorry, come again. What did the banners Yeah, the say? banners from the pan-Democrats, uh, from, from exactly Democratic parties uh, hanging hey, around in, to say that they will stay. And I think I think the the DP should wait until the result come out and then say their decision, isn't it? But already well, we already see a lot of banners hanging around town to say that they're going to stay. No, I think what happened was the Democratic Party decided from the start that they should stay. Mm. But then, because of the differing voices within the pro-democracy camp, then they think, okay, okay. Uh, let's we do think a, we mm. should stay, but let's have a vote. Mm -hmm. Let um, uh, Dr. Chung and his outfit and the Chinese University and their outfit together 
carry out the poll, and they will, of course, pay for the poll,、mm-hmm. and then we will abide by the result of the poll of the polling.、Mm-hmm. But that does not mean that in the meantime they should shut up. Of course, they have to express their views,、mm-hmm. but let people、uh, have a say through this very, very representative sampling,、uh, which the Democratic Party paid for, and they say they will follow the result of, of the polling. Mm. Uh, I also want to comment、yeah. on one thing about uh, some uh, commentators say, "Oh, now because it is so split and、uh, it's wafer thin,、uh, uh, you know,、uh, result, and so、uh, when you go inside, of course, you have to do things、uh, to show the more radical、uh, people that you have not betrayed them." And well, what does that mean?、Uh, you have to be more radical, isn't it? Well, I think they will be themselves. They are politicians, and my party knows how we should behave in the chamber and outside. And we are not just doing it to please some people. As I say, they will pay next year, and the way we behave is the way we think it should be. And my party does not believe in violence. We are not going and harm people or kill people or to smash、uh, all the property. So I think、uh, we have to、uh, consider this very carefully. I think this is split with me. And I hope you will invite my colleagues to come on to tell you、uh, how they will. But there are people who say, if you don't behave like that, and、uh, they will accuse you of betrayal. Yeah. What about the younger generation within your party? I, th- I think they hold different views and no, no, they're no. more radical. No, no, no. I don't think they believe in violence. Really? No. You, you should. <laughs> Violence inside the chamber or outside? Have you seen my members beating people up, smashing property up? That's what I mean by violence. But if they use other tactics, you know, you may not like it. I may not like it. But that is not smashing property or harming people. That's the line. I talked to one young lad the other day.、Uh, he's going off to Cambridge University. I said, "What is your bottom line?" About tactics inside the legislative council, do you want my members to start harming, injuring people,、uh, damaging property? He said, "No, no, no." He said, "I don't want that." But I want you people to, you know, speak out to be more proactive, which of course my colleagues will do. But there is a line that I don't think my party members will cross, and our real supporters will not support us doing that either. Do you think it's tougher for you guys to re-enter the the chamber and and like we do see a lot of supporters where they don't really like the decision. So how how, we, how you can deal with it? As I said, we will. We originally think、mm-hmm. that we should do it. I have all along said we should do it,、mm-hmm. and I have looked at experiences in other countries where popular parties.、Uh, Boycotted elections, whether it is in Singapore, whether it's in Bangladesh, or even in the Philippines, and then what happened in the next election? Of course, they took part again, and they all lost. The voters abandoned them. If you look at other places, voters do not like people just, you know, saying, "Oh, I don't play it anymore. Oh, it's unfair. I just go out." People say, "Okay." Will you stay out forever? So walking out well, is not something to think. As I said, if many people are telling me there will not be any more election, at least not next year. But if there's another election, 
then if my party takes part in that, then the voters will say, hey, I punish you. I punish you for deciding to go into LegCo this time. I think you did it. You did wrong. Okay, fine. Fair enough. But there are many who say, go in. Go in. Don't give, don't give in an inch. Go in and fight. Okay, well, Emily, thanks, thanks for much indeed for joining us, uh, former leader of the Democratic Party and uh, uh, legislator. We're joined also now by uh, Dr. Kwok Kaki, uh, civic party lawmaker, one of those who will now uh, return to uh, the new session of, uh, of uh, LegCo. Uh, good morning to you, Dr. Kwok. Good morning. Thanks so much indeed for, for, for joining us now. Okay, here's, here's an interesting email. This is from Peter, uh, who says, Don't believe any poll you haven't doctored and gamed yourself. 53% of the surveyed want the pan pandems to leave LegCo, yet 14 pandems refused to leave. So clearly the majority wanted them to leave, yet they refused to do so. It's almost like they don't understand the word democracy. It looks like the pandemocrats already made up their minds long ago to stay on in LegCo because the money, prestige and power are simply too good. Where else in the world can you get so many perks by getting elected with just a few thousand votes, then pretend to represent all Hong Kong people when filibustering and rejecting every single government proposal? The whole opinion poll was a smokescreen to create the impression of a democratic decision that comes uh, from peter just just to clarify so i mean the the the, the results that are widely quoted are among supporters or people who identify themselves as supporters of the pandemocrats so that was 50 50 but for the overall answers peter is correct isn't he that a majority of people uh said that they wanted the democrats to leave now <laughs> if you Stick into the details of the opinion poll uh, which we released yesterday. You can uh, genuinely uh, divide it in three groups of people. One is, of uh, course, uh, the supporters of the uh, pan-democratic camp. One is the uh, so-called the um, middle uh, way that they don't incline to any uh, political party. And the third is, of course, those inclined to support the um, pro-establishment or the pro-Beijing party. You wouldn't be difficult to find that uh, the uh, people responded to the survey and which they belong to the pro Beijing party. The great, great majority, or 70% of them, saying that we should be. I think that is the message is, was very clear that, you know, uh, all those people uh, in Hong Kong, if they are pro Beijing, they all, they all want to only with the legislator representing the pro-Beijing party to be seen in the electrical and nobody else. In fact, they can do whatever they want, you know, in the coming year. And that is very clear. But as we said before, so even before the uh, survey has been conducted, that we will only observe and respond to those uh, claim that they are supporters of the pro-democratic camp. And for that, the result is, was very clear that 40, uh, more than 47 percent uh, fall, saying, and 45 percent, 45.8 percent is for those uh, saying that we should give. But as none of them is actually uh, past the so-called 50 percent or the so-called great majority, we should exercise our own judgment, and that is what has been done before. And we didn't, you know, hide any. Uh, intention that most of us who participated in the survey that we wanted to stay and but we have uh, a prerequisite if people want us to leave then we leave but you know the survey come to us very clear and in fact even before the result was released we saying we would anticipate 
there's a split of the opinion or the split of the society regarding we should stay or we should leave. Uh, even amongst those supporters from the pro-democratic camp, we, we all understand that is the, the reality. But we uh, had laid down the rules of the game and we follow. And of course, uh, even if saying that or the result that we are saying, it doesn't mean the end of the story. People, people, people will say, still asking us to do, you know, um, what we should at the best of our capacity to stop the passing of, you know, some draconian bills, uh, some very uh, unattractive or uh, unpopular uh, policy or bills which will be taken to the electrical meeting for deliberation. And uh, we would have, you know, no excuse but to fight for the people who voted we uh, voted us uh, to be saying in electrical. Uh, okay, just sorry, a quick announcement from the transport department. Uh, because of an accident, the fast lane of Chung Road towards uh, Chunwan near Butterfly Valley Road is closed to traffic. It's always very busy there, that, so uh, that's going to be a lot of problems. Traffic queue on uh, Kai Yip uh, Estate, so watch out for uh, that problem there. Um, uh, let's see. Um, some more comment uh, from listeners. Uh, we had uh, a couple of comments, uh, the one from um, our earlier correspondent and uh, uh, one from Andrew Kay, um, suggesting other kind of motives. Uh, so Andrew Kay says, so in a contest between principles and money, money always wins with these guys. Now we can see their real purpose. They cannot explain their way out of this one, so they should not waste our time in an effort to do so. Uh, was it the, the prospect of the the wages and the the prestige and the power that uh, changed your mind that swayed you because it was kind of split 50 50 so what tipped it over was it that was it those things <laughs> it, it, it is an insult to us now um i was one of the four legislators serving legislators which has been disqualified by the government and and you see you know the so-called election is all is nothing uh, you know, adopting the so-called fair principle. And for many of us who has, um, you know, has been serving as various professionals uh, before we are actually a legislator, you know, not only myself, but many of my colleagues who has been a, an accountant, lawyer, barrister, if we were after money, we won't be, you know, sitting in electrical, uh, you know, it's always better to serve any prisoners or doing any other jobs which had... Now what about uh, powers and privilege? <laughs> what power and privilege is a joke. You know, at intellectual, we are the minority. We actually had nothing to, you know, to enjoy the so-called privilege. And now serving in electrical is a duty. It's not something saying that any power or privilege. What kind of power or privilege we had? The only power and privilege is coming from the people who voted us to trying to stop whatever unpopular bills and policy by the government. And that is our, you know, their own intention. And that is all we should, you know. Of course, people will argue that, you know, um, the election uh, which voted us in was actually in 2016 and now it's 2020, you should live. I fully understand what they are saying that, you know, but you look at this draconian government, look at them. Will they, 
listen to the people who you know who had voted for us that you know they should conduct the election as soon as possible. They won't. You know, okay. they, they are That's another topic then. Right. Well, also with us is Benson Wong, political scientist, former assistant professor at the Baptist University's Department of Government and International Studies. Mr. Wong, good morning to you. Good morning. Everyone. Hi, thank you much indeed for for joining us. Now, how deep do you think this split goes? Because you know it was on a knife edge, fifty-fifty. With when you look at the supporters, is it are there really two camps uh, among the Democrats? The young people who are more localist uh, and and the old and the old guard and people like uh, Emily and and even Dr. Kwok. Mm. Um, is that the shape of the Democratic camp now? It's it's really two camps. Um. It depends on how we interpret the data. Um, the very first observation, actually, the whole debate on whether the Democrats staying or even leaving the council has been lasting for almost uh, two months. And at the very beginning, we know that there's a very heated debate of whether they should stay or leave. Uh, but with the passage of time, uh, because there were the people will regard that debate may not be really useful to consider how the whole movement goes on. So you can see that there is a kind of uh, situation that uh, people would not uh, regard uh, you, whether you stay or not stay would be really very, very important uh, for the whole movement. So that's the reason why oh, it doesn't matter if you want to stay. Uh, the point is how can the members staying in the council sustain the movement uh, within the one year or even uh, during the process, how they can doing um, to uh, contribute to the whole movement. But for those who choose to uh, depart or even choose to quit uh, from the council, um, they also tend to respect the decisions. Uh, even though we talk about the localists, even those we talk about those who choose to quit, but uh, they choose no longer criticize those to the state yet. So uh, apart from the quantitative data to be shown that uh, the uh, participants or even the respondents, uh, they can, they, they actually um, would not have very strong presence of whether you stay or not stay. The point is uh, the whole debate should be over. The whole debate to stop. Uh, this time for uh, the people in Hong Kong to think about uh, how to deal with the current political situation. Because, um, I mean, at Kwok Kaki, there'll be people who say, even Democratic supporters who say, you know, the old ways, they're just not working. And there's a new reality. We've got the national security law. Hong Kong is in a different shape. We need to address this and we need some new some new way to deal with with the reality and to represent the people in Hong Kong uh, because the old ways have, they've worn out and they were useless and we need something new now when we need new faces. So that's the reason why... Well, can I, can I put that, sorry, can I put that to Dr. Kwok because I know he's got to go in, in three okay, minutes. Okay, yeah. yeah. Now, if Kwok, you talk okay. about the so-called new way to dealing with the government, now, now we have the reality that it's after this so-called, the, um, you know, the uh, very draconian national security bills, and also we are under this, a lot of, you know, uh, con, you know, controversial policy uh, enacted by the government uh, facing the so-called the COVID-19. It would be very difficult, if not impossible, to take the fight uh, to the government on the street. If we get them... More okay, so, what are, you, so what, are, what are you going to do? Well, we, know, we know what you can't do. What are you going to do? In 
the legislative council, we are legislator, and we have the duty to speak for the people of Hong Kong and to vote for the people of Hong Kong. So, prepare to ban we, everything. Uh, of course, we have the other duties. Each of us to carry some policy. You know, for myself, I carry policy for the underprivileged, for the uh, poor people, for the people who have sick. But we have different duties. We acknowledge, fully acknowledge, appreciate people will still on the fight against the government on the street. You know, maybe tomorrow, tomorrow, maybe in the coming year, we would try to support them. You know, by whatever means we we have been. You know, bailing out protesters. We have been fighting for them in the court. We have been raising money for them. If should they need any funds, you can also if, do that when you're not a legislator. Uh, no. It's only being a legislator you can speak for the people, vote for the people. If we are not the legislator, who else in the next court will speak for them and vote for them? No one can, you know, take our duty to vote. And you know, of course, we we all know that you know, for any responsible government, any reasonable government, you know, we're not doing things like to disqualify candidate. We're not doing things to delay the election. But you know, we are facing another. Government and or you know entirely under the influence of the Beijing government, so we have you know as we said for the past year we need to be be water. We need to find ways to deal with. You've been be water for like a year. It doesn't seems to work, and we we have a national security law here. Yeah. So what else? So so all the so, people, so, seven million people. So the ways the of doing things will be different in the coming years. You you think? That's why I asked the question that whether you banned everything. As some of the we, promotion materials that's in there. No, I think in the LEGCO, you know, we have the rules and the regulation under the LEGCO PNP, and we should do that. You know, okay. that is the way. Of course, people will want us to fight, uh, you know, against some, uh, you know, very. Uh, um, Okay. Okay. All right, we're, we're out of time, but thank you very much indeed for joining us, Dr. Kwok. We're going to continue the conversation with Benson Wong after the news uh, at 9. 27 degrees now, humidity is at 88%. Going on there, and, uh, we have a leak detector on board, and now we'll start to try to work with our Russian colleagues to, to get that taken care of. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Welcome back. Back chat on a Wednesday morning. It's a sort of Friday, isn't it? Uh, it's the end of this uh, short week. Uh, we continue our conversation with uh, uh, co-host today, Nixie Lamb, about uh, pandems uh, in Ledgeco. And in a few minutes also, we're going to be talking about uh, uh, a development of a cycling track in the New Territories. In fact, right across the New Territories, it's just about finished now. We'll be talking with Martin Turner from the Hong Kong Cycling uh, Alliance. Is that good news? Uh, we shall see. Back chat at RTHK. HK is the email address if you want to contribute. We want to hear from you, or you can just call us and we'll put you on air. 233-88266 is the number. And then there's our Facebook page, Backchat and RTHK Radio 3 for comment. We're joined now by uh, Benson Wong, a political scientist, uh, former uh, assistant professor at the uh, Baptist University. Um, some comment uh, from listeners uh, then. Uh, TC says, while Hong Kong is cancelling its election in 2020 because of a global pandemic, my home province, British Columbia, is holding a snap election on the 24th of October, 12 months earlier than schedule. Interestingly, the Premier's reasoning is that with a minority government, there shouldn't be instability in a global pandemic, i.e. the same reason Hong Kong cited. In essence, cancelling the LegCo election over COVID is laughable. That is from uh, TC, who also uh, has a uh, story 
connected to that. And uh, Umesh in an email says, uh, Morning all, as per your earlier email from the Midwest of the United States, I too listen regularly from across the fence and do agree with him on ignoring the idiotic snowflakes. You guys do a great balanced job and I hope it keeps up. As for the pandems who have decided to stay, I do hope it's for useful consultations with this administration and not just pick stupid fights which end up getting nothing done. That seems to be the norm among a lot of them now. Those lot just getting good salaries to do absolutely nothing and it's unfair on the taxpayers who have put them in there. Uh, That's uh, from uh, Umesh and uh, Andrew Kay just says with the subject line Emily Lau, really? Uh, four question marks. Uh, Matthew says. Uh, so uh, Matthew has a, Matthew has a question for Nixie Lamb, but uh, uh, he, he says, uh, "I well, I don't agree with uh, with or like what they say. I do appreciate the fact that very few pro authoritarian identities like Nixie who are still willing to appear in a difficult to control forum uh, like Backjack. That comes from Matthew. But he, the question you're, you you go on to ask Nixie is really nothing to do with today's discussion. So maybe we'll do that uh, another time. Uh, but in an Another email, Matthew says, let us remember that there is no justification for the CCP unilaterally decreeing that we cannot have the LegCo elections in September as guaranteed in the basic law for at least a year. The reason they did this was not the Wuhan-originated virus. Rather, it was because they panicked, realising that public dissatisfaction with them was so great that they were about to lose control of a system they thought they had gerrymandered to ensure they could always control. If they were sure they could get the result they wanted, the election would be held tomorrow, irrespective of the virus situation. When combined with the earlier survey data, it's clear that if all pro-democracy supporters had been allowed to vote or been surveyed, rather than the narrow group insisted on by the large pro-democracy party survey, then the 46% in favour of boycotting LegCo and pushing for elections now would easily be a majority. No doubt staying in or leaving LegCo is super difficult and vexed decision. However, the concern now is that those who have chosen to continue will become an implicitly loyal and compliant opposition, thus undermining the struggle and effort to stand up against tyranny over the last few years. That comes uh, from Matthew. Uh, Backchat.rthk.hk is our, is our email address. We've got some few uh, comments on cycling as well, but uh, we'll, we'll get to those uh, in time. Um, uh, Benson Wong, um, you remember when um, the uh, Democrats struck a deal uh, with the administration over the uh, super seats? Um, there was quite a backlash, wasn't there? Would you expect there to be a uh, reaction within the pandemic credit camp to this? I mean, would would some people see this as a sellout or, you know, people being traitors or in, in some way? Do you think this is going to make the split in the camp worse? Um, there's a kind of dilemma faced by the pandemic, especially after October, when they actually uh, will be in the legislative council that lack legitimacy because uh, this is actually no longer a council uh, running in terms of a general elections 2020 because of the pandemic, uh, because of the uh, pandemic uh, that the whole election is so-called delayed for one year. Uh, the point is... Uh, we have discussed in the previous part of this program um, how the pandemic Democrats members decided to uh, serve the Hong Kong people in the council in the next year, how they can perceive themselves in terms of their spirit or even their 
actions for resistance that um, the people, especially for the support of Democrats, want to see. And, and other, other important aspect, just what you had said is, um, because we do expect that in the next year there will not be a very big controversial uh, proposal to be tabled at the, at the council for um, passing or whatever things. Um, how people would believe that um, the council would be a very, uh, very, very meaningful front uh, for resistance for pandemic, apart from outside of the council. Uh, okay. Uh, what about the, um, the 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 people who didn't decide to stay, like Chu Hoi Dick uh, and Ray Chan? Do you think they will be in a better or worse position when it comes to the election? Um, we do expect uh, individual decisions of whether they would they would they would stay or not to stay uh, for the very personal capacity, especially uh, some really uh, people who we got a radical uh, member uh, within the council. They have done what they 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 can. They have done what. Uh, they will, they they're willing over the uh, very part of the resistance. So they 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 that the reason why they believe uh, leaving the council. They 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 believe they will have a very different way, different platforms uh, to continue to continue con- to continue the resistance. So then it depends on how we see the whole thing. Uh, if we we still we, we still insist on staying or not. Uh, with the council, it's the only individual indicator, only single indicator to see uh, the determinations of the politicians uh, for the for the whole movement. Of course, we see this kind of this break, the division of the camp. But if we believe that we, we, we embrace a kind of very inclusive approach uh, for the for the resistance. We say, oh, you 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 stay in the within the council. Uh, we should prove that first, which uh, all, all, all members within the council, they're supposed to be very good collaborative, very good cooperative capacity uh, to work with the resistance within the council. Uh, of course, I don't know what, what kind of way they would do, uh, but at least uh, people will criticize their performance in the past over the council uh, in, the, in terms of the resistance. They may not be performing so well. So... Uh, how they can improve themselves in the next year, it will be, it, it will be really, really important. The second as well part is outside the council that how uh, very issue can go on uh, in the civil society, uh, in the community, and how community, civil society, and the council uh, free forms of the resistance can be uh, integrated together uh, to further the movement in the current stage. Does the movement have any future at all, or is the government and Beijing essentially determined to completely stamp out um, the democratic movement uh, in, in in Hong Kong? Uh, no civic party legislators were allowed to stand. They hadn't even got round to the Democrats. Who knows what the what the rules would have, would have been there? Um, but in effect, you know, vast swathes of legislators weren't even allowed to stand. You've got some of the elders of the Democratic camp, even very moderate names, Martin Lee and uh, and so on, uh, who have been 
and uh, you know who've been charged with uh, illegal assembly so they're going to have to uh, face court cases uh, in many ways it just looks like the government is going to stamp out the democracy or go, uh, attempt to stamp out uh, any expression of pro-democracy uh, uh, sentiment in Hong Kong altogether yeah um, so that's the reason why uh, people will, will feel really um, very uh, unhappy about what happened in Hong Kong. Uh, so the, the you, I mean, you also had you also had, of course, the um, uh, the primaries uh, where you had six hundred thousand people voting, and the government and and. Uh, Beijing were furious about that, weren't they? And they said this could be a breach of the national security legislation and all these people were acting illegally. They were very cross about that, weren't they? Um, can you, could you see a point where they just outlaw the Democrats in Hong Kong? Of course. Um, that's the reason why in face of this situation, uh, Judge what um, people say uh, be water in terms of the mindset, in terms of strategies, in face of that really critical, very um, important uh, moment that uh, because of national security law, um, I would say national security law is not a law, but it, national security law is only a political instrument to suppress all of the oppositions that uh, all of the people uh, should understand this aspect. Um, the second aspect is, uh, even though they excite the national security, of course, they will be, um, the government, of course, they will also face the pressure outside international community and also the global media, uh, are actually watching Hong Kong, what happens. Uh, whether they can use the national security law based on, the, um, uh, they, that they want, of course, it's not. Uh, of course, they, I do believe they, Exercise the law based on their political discretions, political calculations. Um, so um, it doesn't mean that uh, the people in Hong Kong, the democratic supporters in Hong Kong, do nothing this moment. But how they sustain the movement uh, outside the council, uh, in the community, in the uh, civil society, um, in different aspects, that uh, we we can we can be with a sense uh, a kind of achievement or even a kind of this strength that, um, especially right now, Hong Kong still enjoy a limited level, limited aspect of freedom of uh, speech. Uh, that uh, the, uh, the, the like the online media still without impose any restriction that people can uh, receive the information without any restriction. So, uh, at least in the next year, uh, in case the political situation still go on, and also of course. The, um, the political climate of Beijing authorities and also the U.S. Uh, influence over the whole case would be two important indicators or even variables to shape the Hong Kong politics. Mm. Well, Benson Wong, thank you much indeed for joining us, a political scientist, former assistant professor at the Baptist University's Department of Government and uh, International Studies. Uh, thank you very much indeed for joining us, bringing the time now to 16 minutes past nine. Uh, uh, quite a few uh, emails on our final uh, topic today, that of the uh, cycling track. Uh, uh, an 11-kilometre stretch uh, between Yunlong and uh, Xinxiang has just been uh, completed. Uh, that should uh, uh, complete the 60-kilometre route right across the uh, new territories. Uh, interesting uh, emails, quite a few uh, emails uh, on that uh, topic. Uh, Dan on Facebook, first of all, says, yeah, thrilled about the 
completed cycling track. I made the mistake of trying to ride from Tai Po to Shang Shui to Yuen Long and back to Tai Po via Kaduri Farm once. Between the buses, big trucks and monster cement mixers, I almost rode straight into heaven several times. Can't wait to get out and give the new route a try. Thanks to all who made it a reality. That comes uh, from... Uh, Dan. Alan says while building a new cycle path in the countryside is nice, what Hong Kong cyclists need is some support for cycling in the urban area. We need the Hong Kong Island harbourfront bike path, talked about for 10 years or more and nothing done except talk. The government sees cycling as purely a recreation activity it's implacably hostile to transport cycling in the city there is not one legal place to park a bike in central. They have prevented the share bike companies from operating there they always come back with a story that Hong Kong is somehow uniquely unsuitable for cycling because it's too hot or busy or hilly. We tell that to people riding bikes in Melbourne in 40 degrees of summer, scaling hills in San Francisco, in busy narrow streets in Manhattan, London and every European capital. What's different in Hong Kong is the difficulties getting between districts, choke points crossing the harbour, the lack of alternatives to expressways to Sai Kung, for example, the total absence of cycling lanes on any new roadworks or bridges, only rules preventing you from even trying. The lack of integration with public transport, the MTR that requires you to dismantle your bike before you can put a bike on a train. With COVID, many cities around the world are having a cycling boom for safer exercise and transport. Sydney is rapidly building pop-up cycling lanes to make safer commuting routes. Hong Kong is doing nothing for transport cycling. That is uh, from uh, Alan. Uh, Jay is less happy. Yes, what's going on with the cycling track in our village? We have a few kilometres of it. I've seen over 60 trees ripped up to replace with virtually nothing, so there's nowhere to walk in the shade now. I've seen metal railings go in and out. I've seen the road being dug up, the track being dug up, the track being put down, the track being pulled up, the pavement being repaved. It's a scenario of how many people do you need to change a light bulb? Just who's in charge? What's going on once you've wasted a fortune of taxpayers' money? And furthermore, we've got dog poop everywhere. But yes, myself and the family have used the title track. Good job creation scheme at taxpayers' uh, expense. Uh, and uh, Lewis says, hats off to the government for completing the cycle track. Now, how about completing one from Chengkwano to Sai Kung to Maran Shan and cease the ridiculous Hiram's Highway widening? Make Sai Kung a restricted zone on weekends and public holidays with large park and ride facilities near Marina Cove and Maran Shan. Uh, now that uh, Ng Si Fuk is no longer the DB chairman, this may be a realistic vision. He only wanted the expansion of Hiram's Highway to boost his, his family's and his cronies restaurant business and value of their properties and land says uh, lewis thank you very much indeed for that we're joined now by martin turner chairman of the hong kong cycling alliance mr turner good morning to you and uh, good morning thanks very much indeed for for, for joining us um so uh, is this right so the this 11 kilometer bit that they've just opened that finishes off the 61 60 kilometer track which goes right across new territories well it's uh, yes it's the last section of that 60 kilometers which is all that's left of the original 120 kilometres we were promised. We don't get men don't get a mention of the uh, the original target anymore. Where was where was the 120? Well, it was supposed to, it was supposed to start in Saikung, as mentioned okay. just previously. Um, and more to the point, there were going to be many uh, many spur routes, about six spur routes heading off in different locations to make it a real network. Um, it's not actually a network now; it's just this this one route, um, which you know, in many ways, is welcome. I'm looking forward to, uh, to to seeing more people taking uh, taking the route to get through and around the area. But uh, it would have been nice if it was the, the full the full package and finished on time, and um, a few other concerns as well. 
So this will go. Does it now? It goes from Tunmun right across to Maranshan now. Is that right? Um, yes. Uh, I mean, the, 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 this connected series of, of bits of cycle track. Yes, and so hopefully, um, you know, people who want to to, to meander along on a, on, a, on a leisurely bike ride and don't mind all the interruptions of, of side streets and being next to a main road will be able to um, to take advantage of it. Yes. We heard uh, some of the cyclists were saying that they prefer to ride on the road rather than these uh, cycling tracks. What's your views on that? Well, that's another issue which uh, is a concern. It stems, yeah, I mean, the point is that um, under the law, if there's a cycle track next to a road, anyone on a bike must use whatever cycle track has been, been put there. Um, and so, as we all know, many of the, no, all the cycle tracks really have uh, below... Uh, below par quality in terms of connectivity. There are so many points at which one is expected to dismount from the bike just across a, an entrance to a yard or, or, or a closed gate. Um, so there's lots of interruptions. It's not a smooth flowing ride that you can sort of settle into the saddle and enjoy. You have to keep on the lookout for all these interruptions. Um, and indeed, yes, the, uh, the law says that if there is one of these cycle tracks, then you're not allowed to ride on the road, even if you're mm. you know, a sport cyclist, even if you're a rem member of the Hong Kong cycling team out practicing, as happened a, a couple of years ago, um, when they got prosecuted for being on a road while they were blasting along at you know, 40 kilometers an hour, um, practicing to represent Hong Kong, and they were taken to court because they should have been on the rutted little concrete cycle track with all the interruptions and um, people... You know, Know, quite reasonably uh, taking their time um, for a leisurely ride. So there's no differentiation in the government's thinking between people who are different kinds of riding and all the many different ways in which Hong Kong people ride bikes, whether it's for leisure, speed, convenience, fast, slow, mountains. They're all put into a little package called cyclist. And in the minds of the uh, transport department, that is a wobbly beginner on a cycle track on a Sunday afternoon who hasn't been out for two years. Um, actually, there's much more diversity than that, and it would be greatly helpful if the uh, if thinking in, the, in the, any planning that goes, does go into cycling um, would uh, take account of that. Um, you, I'm just thinking, yeah, the, the, say the section between, you know, Sha Tin and Tai Po, that is full of families, isn't it? And, and children and... Uh, well, and so it's full of lots of people, actually. Yeah. I mean, okay. you know, you get people trying to... Trying to head out for sport rides there and there are people who are commuting and uh, does that work i mean can you have all those different groups using the same? well you certainly can mm -hmm. but um you know more and more people have to compromise it's the same as you can you know you can have cars and pedestrians together but people have to take account of the uh of the differences and and be responsible which i have great confidence in in hong kong people's ability to adapt to the situation um it's the uh, it's the transport department who insists on on seeing uh, on segregating groups, but in terms of cyclists or, or people who ride bikes, they only see one group, and actually that's a very limited view because there are many more um, needs out there, current. Um, and that's been before we start talking about what what Hong Kong could do with cycling, how, song, how cycling could serve Hong Kong better. And I'll, back back to the the topic in hand, this 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 section that's now linking. Sheng Shui and, and Yunlong, you know, that's going to be used by people who want to travel from Sheng Shui to Yunlong and, and back again, and, and people in the villages along the way as a backbone for them to get around. But 
if it's actually slower than cycling along the road, then we've built something that's not fit for purpose. What about, uh, okay, we've got an email from Craig who asks a very good question. Getting your bikes to the starting points. Please ask your guests for advice on how to get bikes to and from the start and end points of this new track. Obviously, don't just say cycling. For example, how to get a bike from to Tun Mun from South Lantau without a car. Can you do that? Um, well, yes, I mean, you certainly can. It's, it's a lot more hassle than it ought to be. But, you know, you can take bikes on ferries. You can take bikes on the MTR. Um, do you have, you have to dismantle them first, do you? have to take a wheel Well, off, the MTR seats say you have to dismantle them, which is a complete pain. But actually, it's not in their written rules, so I'm not sure why anybody should. Um, I guess if one of the staff comes up to you and says, you must do this, I'm sure there's a rule that says you have to do what the staff say. But uh, but, but there are no written rules saying you have to take your, take your wheel off when you're going on the MTR. That's mm. just, just what they say. Um, but yes, it is a pain. Um, so the answer to the question is, yes, you can get there, for sure. I mean, um, and, yeah, with a bike, obviously, uh, the last mile, the connectivity between um, major transport routes, such as uh, uh, trains and, and, and ferries, is, is easy to cover. If you need to get a mile or two um, from, from where, where the transport start, stops, you can just jump on the bike and cycle. And, and how how involved your organisation is like during all this process? Because like, because I was the uh, former um, district councillor before in Chunwan, and that session, I think the, the government didn't really involve you guys into the discussion. Yes, we were involved from the start back in two thousand seven, two thousand eight. We were on all the all the planning meetings, and then the, the sort of like conceptual planning meetings, working with uh, CDD and the, mm-hmm. and the other bodies and the, and the consultants. Mm-hmm. And we said all this at the time. One of the key things we said was that this, this project, the whole project, 120 kilometres, should be should take account of the needs of local people who want to get around by bike. Yeah. And we were told very firmly, but no, 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 this project has nothing to do with the people who live in the area wanting to get around by bike, and they would not even consider linkages to local housing areas. This was absolutely a leisure facility. And the whole approach has always been to this and to every other project that involves cycling, that something must be built which provides an entertainment facility for people who are determined to go out and enjoy themselves on a bike and do nothing else for a period of an hour or three. And, and this very narrow view of what cycling involves, um, you know, these people who are out to have a good time on a bike, and, and that therefore not only is there no provision made for people who are just getting around, or people who are getting around and enjoying it, or people who are enjoying being on a bike and doing something useful at the same time, because it's all a spectrum, but also, there was, there's, there's no recognition that the people who are moving around by bike don't need to have all these dedicated facilities. If you're on a bike, there are lots of shops and toilets and points of, of interest that you can find, signpost, and that people can reach by themselves. So the cycling should be seen as an enabler for a, for a good day out or for, for simple moving around the area. But the, the intention of the, of the CDD and the government is always that it's, it's a, a complete package in itself, like going to Disneyland. You step inside and you do cycling for four hours. Mm-hmm. But it's not like that. It's not realistic. Uh, okay. Um, also, just, just clarify. So there's also a section from Chun Wan yeah. to... To Chun uh, to, to Mun. To Chun Mun. Yes, so, that's so along way, that way behind. And I'm sure 
Nixie knows quite a lot about yeah. that because the reason it's late is largely because she was holding it up. Um, oh, no, I was, the, I was the only reason that you can finally have the 2.3 kilometer, finally, after 20 years. Well, that, <laughs> well the, the, the whole point discussion. is we should have had the whole Tunmun to, to Tunwan section. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Way, way the whole, yeah, that was, that was session into three different sessions. So I think the, the whole discussion is that the, the one that go past the Tengao area, it's quite controversial because there's like uh, trees in front of the residential area, which is private properties. And if you have to have to have a certain width, width, the acceptable width by the government anyway, well, and, yes, I mean, the and you have to chop down the, their trees. <laughs> the result is that, that, that through, through those efforts of, of yourself and others, the cycle, route, cycle track routes have been pushed back up next to Castle Peak Road, when the original intention was to have a cantilevered route over the water, along the yeah. waterfront, a nice route to ride. And the people alongside that area are not quite happy about it. And then I pushed the government to try to do another survey, which did their survey was about, about 10 years ago, and they didn't do it. So, <laughs> Well, yeah, the government's inaction is, is something perhaps we can agree on. But, um, yeah, but there's no, which is impossible. But the, the concerns have... about cycling, which crop up um, you know, in, in your area and, and often are largely based on, on a misunderstanding. I'm not quite sure why people think that cycling won't be a benefit to them. And, yes, and what happens in some other places is. is that people, when, when in businesses and, and, and residential owners are concerned about cycling when, it's, when a project is being planned, yeah, you always find that when it arrives, they're really happy. The business goes up, people get around, the place is nicer, and so those concerns do go away based on experience all around the world. So, you know, your... Yeah, one of the views we, we, like, like we heard from a lot of the residents that the reason that they moved into Shamjan is because they want a quiet area and then and they want, so yeah, that kind of thing. But that's why I think it's important for the government to actually step in to, to have more communication and try to, try to get things done. But, um, I mean, they wanted that's a quiet why, area. that's why. Sorry, Nixie. They wanted a quiet area and they're concerned about bikes. Again, I think there's a misunderstanding here which could have been resolved quite simply. Uh, <laughs> Maybe you should come down and talk to them. <laughs> well, Quite a tricky yeah. one. So. And, and briefly, Martin Turner, what, what, I mean, so I didn't know the original plan was to go to Sai Kung. We were, we were hearing a suggestion, you know, connecting up Maranshan. Certainly Maranshan to Sai Kung, that would make sense. It's pretty flat and, and, and so on. Uh, and even to, around to Chen Kuanau. Why was that abandoned? Was there a reason? Do you know? Um... Not the space or something. Well, yeah, I think the I think the the the, the main reason was uh, a concern about um, you know, an available route, which you know, perhaps wasn't wasn't pushed hard enough. Um, you know, there was always there's a route available for widening the Saikung Highway. There are always routes available. There's always area available to build more more roads. But uh, somehow a, a cycle track. If, if we're talking about tracks, obviously cycling is much more than just on tracks. But a cycle track is. Uh, it's not given the priority it needs. Okay. Well, Martin Turner, chairman of the Hong Kong Cycling Alliance, thank you very much indeed for for uh, joining us this morning. Uh, finally, the last word going to Bowen. 
Uh, talking about uh, Andrew Lung, who yesterday was talking about uh, RTHK and its charter. Bowen says, taking Andrew Lung's performance in backjack yesterday with what Lam Tai Fai said to an SCMP reporter, it's clear the official approach to tackle RTHK is to resort to its charter, as it's the habit of the authorities to resort to the basic law when they have to tackle the pandems. The resemblance does not end there. We've all witnessed a lot more than we would like. The phenomenon in which when members of the establishment approach constitution-like documents, they interpret it in whatever they like. For example about the meaning of article 22 of the basic law so i checked the words of rthk's charter yesterday after the show in reading out section b's paragraph 4a1 of the charter under the section public purposes and missions about what rthk should do to sustain citizenship and civil society he completely left out rthk's responsibility to promote understanding of our community and the world he just mentioned reference to our nation. It's an inexcusable lapse for such a senior civil servant to represent the contents of such an important document of the, the public at such an important time. The order in which the understanding of our community, our nation and the world were written into the Charter clearly bears considerable importance to the drafters, as RTHK is basically just a local as opposed to a national broadcaster. So its primary responsibility is to promote a sense of citizenship and civil society in local society first. Because if RTHK fails to even help Hong Kongers acquire a sense of belonging or civic duty towards the city, do you think it will have any chance to build up citizens of the People's Republic of China here? Still, Andrew Lung decided that he could afford to omit references to our community, not to mention the world. It reveals his hidden mindset that Hong Kong does not really matter. So that's why it's appropriate for Nobella to be so vigilant and to tackle the CE in such a compelling manner in the CE's media session held on the day after the Yunlong attack. You get to understand people's mindset a lot better if you make the effort to read through carefully the lines they deliver. That is from Bowen. Bowen, thank you very much indeed. Uh, Nixie, thank you very much indeed. Enjoy the break. The weather, sunny intervals and showers. There will be uh, uh, showers increasing gradually and a few isolated thunderstorms today. The outlook, windy with occasional showers tomorrow and then the showers easing off with sunny periods in the following couple of days. 28 degrees the latest with a relative humidity now of 83%. The government is conducting a public consultation on the 2020 policy address. Please share your views on different policy areas. We are willing to listen and engage. For details, please visit the website www.policyaddress.gov.hk. the news with Samantha Butler. President Trump and Democratic challenger Joe Biden have traded barbs at their first televised debate watched by a deeply divided nation 35 days ahead of the U.S. election. There was no handshake as the two men took to the stage and in opening exchanges, Mr. Trump accused Mr. Biden of being a socialist, while the latter said everyone knew the president.